0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. See, we all have a race together to stand for
1: Christ, walk with Christ, testify to Christ. But you've also got an individual race. You. You're, you're in your own race. Is what God has called you to do, what He's called you to be, the influence he's called you to have. You have your own race. You're running a race. You're an athlete spiritually. You're running a race, and Paul said the most important thing to me is to finish that race well.
0: Life is a race. Whether you want to admit it or not, life is simply a matter of getting to the finish line. When we get to this finish, what's the point of putting in the work? If we simply pass away and get buried in the ground, what's the point? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you need to remain steadfast in finishing the race of life strong. There's nothing more important than crossing that finish line and hearing God congratulate you on your work. Be on fire for the mission of God's kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Philippians chapter 3 as he begins his message, This One Thing.
1: Priorities are so important, whatever you put first. I did finish through the Bible in a year yesterday. And I'm just telling you, I do it to survive. I do it to stay afloat. I stay in the word every day because man will not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And I started Genesis chapter one this morning. Here I go again. In the little one-year Bible that I have, yesterday made nine times I've gone through that one. So it's good for you. And you know why I do it? It's prioritized. People say, well, I don't have time for prayer. No, you haven't made time for prayer. Amen. It's a priority. So in the first 11 verses, leading up to verse 12 in our text, Apostle Paul is listening to us. He's listening what we would call his bragging rights uh, in the natural. He's given us his, his credentials in the natural As a Jewish man, I'm going to talk about those in just a moment. But to know the Apostle Paul, who I think is the greatest Christian that ever lived, that's just my opinion. The Apostle Paul was a man who was completely obsessed with the Lord Jesus Christ. In a good way. He was obsessed. In a good way. There isn't anything wrong. The more obsessed you are with Jesus, the better off you'll be. He was obsessed with Jesus. Uh, No price was too great for him to pay. To be able to walk with the Lord, pursue the Lord, chase after the Lord. No matter what price he had to pay, no matter what it cost him, nothing stopped this man. Nothing. By his own testimony, he'd been whipped five separate times, equaling 195 lashes across his scarred back. You give me one of those lashes, I'm going to break down like a great big and baby. But he got it 195 times, folks. For what? For his testimony for Christ. And yet he said, no big deal. He often fasted, hungered, was in the cold, had no certain dwelling place. This is from his own mouth. He suffered shipwreck. He was lost at sea. He was caned, beaten with rods. He was stoned and left for dead. Can you imagine being pelted with rocks until you fall into the ground and they think you're dead? He experienced that. Rejected by his countrymen. Rejected and scorned by the Roman authorities. Repeatedly imprisoned. Thrown in jail for doing right. he lived in constant danger each and every day of being killed by his enemies. And he had all kinds of enemies. But but rather than back down or quit, Paul burned to bring all of his faculties into laser-like focus to knowing Jesus even better. Nothing deterred him. Nothing turned him back. Nothing made him put up the white flag. No, he only got meaner in the faith and kept on going. He never quit. So starting in verse 13, his life's resolve is summed up in five simple words. And I want you to say them with me. This one thing I do. This one thing I do. That sound like a statement of priority? Yeah. That's a statement of major priority. This one thing I do. How about a statement of focus? That a statement of powerful focus? Uh, Let's try it again. This one thing I do. So here's a man of total resolve. This one thing I do. And then he tells us what it is, and he breaks it into two parts. He said, forgetting the past and reaching for the future. This one thing I do. Forgetting the past, reaching for the future. Forgetting the past and reaching forward to what lies ahead. So where was his focus? It wasn't back here. It was up here. All right. He said, I strain. There's another strong word. I strain to reach the end of my race. I started strong. I'm going to end strong. I'm straining to reach the end of my race. Did you know that everybody in here, you're in a race? Amen. What did Paul say at the end of his life? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my race. See, we all have a race together to stand for Christ, walk with Christ, testify to Christ. But you've also got an individual race. You, you're you're in your own race. It's what God has called you to do, what he's called you to be. The influence he's called you to have. You have your own race. You're running a race. You're an athlete spiritually. You're running a race. And Paul said, the most important thing to me is to finish that race well to finish it right, to finish it strong, so that when I reach the end of my life, I hear the words, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. So say with me, forgetting and reaching. Now that's easy to remember, forgetting and reaching. Paul said, that's what I'm all about. That That's my one thing. My one thing is forgetting and reaching, forgetting and reaching, forgetting and reaching. He says, And if you have any other attitude, God's going to show it to you. So we should all have this attitude. We should all have this uh, uh, priority, this mindset to finish our race individually and corporately strong. So the first resolve he made, and we've got to make, if we want to do this new year right, is forgetting what's behind Forgetting what's behind. Now, what do you mean by that? Let me tell you what the word forgetting means. It's to intentionally neglect something. All right? Uh, to refuse to excessively focus on something. It is to not allow yesterday to control or overly influence today. You catch that? See, you are not defined by your past. You are defined by God You are who who and what he says you are. You are not defined by your past mistakes or your past successes. You are defined by God himself. So, Paul, now let me tell you, if anybody had a past to forget, it was Paul. Because his past is what we would call today colorful. Yeah, he had a colorful past. First, there were huge positives, and he was a very, very accomplished young man when he met Jesus Christ. Uh, By birthright, he had it going on as far as a Jew was concerned because he was a pure blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He had it going on, pedigree wise. He, He says of himself, I was a real Hebrew if there ever was a real Hebrew. On top of that, He had been a personal pupil of the famous teacher Gamaliel. There was no better teacher of the Old Testament in a Mosaic law or any of that than Gamaliel. You could say that that Paul graduated from the Harvard of his day, because there was no better teacher and instructor than Gamaliel. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and so was his whole family. He was the cream of the crop. As for righteousness, he says about himself, he claimed to have obeyed the law as close to without fault as you could possibly get. If ever there was a promising, up and coming young Hebrew man that would really make a mark for Judaism, Paul was it. Yet he writes, forgetting the past, including my successes. See the danger of great success back there? is you think that's the best that's ever going to happen to me. I've seen my greatest day. And so that's the danger of living in the past, in your past successes. Because you just say, wow, I accomplished so much back there. there. There can never be any better. But there can be better. There can be stronger. There can be greater. It's not just what you did back there. Listen, God can do anything now. God is still moving now. So you can't live in the past successes of your life. Well, I'll never reach that again. I'll never do that again. I'll never achieve that again. I'll never do that well again. Get that out of your head because you serve a God who does a new thing. But there was a flip side to Paul's life and it was dark. Filled with painful memories that, listen to me carefully, could have crippled him for the rest of his life. These memories. What he did. I love the Bible tells the truth about the heroes in it. Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, tells us the truth about Paul, what he was like before he was a Christian. Dr. Luke writes this. Paul was like a wild man, Acts 8.3. Paul was like a wild man, going everywhere to devastate the believers, even entering private homes and dragging out. Can you imagine Paul doing this? Dragging out men and women alike and throwing them into jail. That's the apostle to the Gentiles. That's the one that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is what he did. This is how he lived. Luke tells on him even more. He says, but Paul, threatening with every breath and eager to destroy every Christian. He went to the high priest in Jerusalem and requested a letter addressed to synagogues in Damascus, requiring their cooperation in the persecution of any believers he found there. He was on the hunt For people who named the name of Christ, both men and women, so that he could bring them in chains to Jerusalem. The writer of Ephesians, writer of Romans, writer of Philippians, writer of Colossians, did this. And Paul himself tells the truth. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I went after the Christians mercilessly, hunting them down and doing my best to get rid of them. First Corinthians 15, for I am the least of the apostles. You better know it. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And here's the worst one. Listen to this one. He's admitting it. This is autobiographical. He says, I used to believe that I ought to do many horrible things to the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. I imprisoned many of the saints in Jerusalem as authorized by the high priest. And when they were condemned to death, when they were condemned to what? I cast my vote against them. I used, get this everybody, I used torture to try to make Christians everywhere curse and blaspheme Christ. Wow, I used torture. Torture. The apostle of the Gentiles. You enjoyed Ephesians lately? He wrote that, this guy. I was so violently opposed to them that I even hounded them in distant cities and in foreign lands. Paul had been instrumental in torturing and murdering some of God's children. And yet Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus who you're persecuting. You touch them, you touch me. And from then forward, he became the greatest friend to the church on the planet. Think about this. Could his memories of women, children, screaming for mercy have haunted him the rest of his life if he'd let it happen? But he said, forgetting. Everybody say, forgetting. Forgetting is the same for you and me. If we're going to go on with God, we've got to forget. We've got to forget. We've got to forget. Forget. It's not like you have some kind of amnesia and you say, I don't have a past. No, you just choose not to focus on it. You don't live back there. You don't dwell back there. That's not where your thinking is back there because everybody's got some skeletons in their closet that if you focused on them, they'd cripple you. No, you've got to accept the washing of the blood of the lamb, the forgiveness of God and go forward, forward, forward. One commentator writes, let us not spend our time either in pondering the gloomy past and our own unfaithfulness, or conversely in thinking of what we have accomplished and getting all puffed up with pride because of what we did back here. But he says, let us keep our eyes steadily on the prize, steadily on the prize, steadily on the prize, focus, priority, and run the race set before us as though we had just begun. How do you do the new year? Everybody say forget. Don't live back there. Some people, they live back in the past. They built their house in the past. They get up every day in their past. All their thoughts are about their past. They live there. They dwell there. And if you get with them for more than 10 minutes, all you hear about is their past. Listen, if you get with somebody and all they talk about is the past, you're talking to somebody who has no vision for the future. Your past is not the definer of your future. It is not the prophet of your future. It is not the predictor of your future. You've got to move forward because of the blood of the lamb. So say with me, whether it's good or bad, noble or shameful, positive or negative, my past will not dictate the terms of my future. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, everybody. Well, We cannot spend our time pining for the good old days. There's that song. Those were the days, my friend. We thought they'd never end. We'd sing and dance and blah, 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 blah. But some people, that's their song. Those were the days. Oh, those were the days. Oh, if you could have been around back then, those were the... Do you know that when you live that way, you're selling the God of the now short? Because he does new things. There's a reason the windshield is bigger than the rearview mirror. How's that for a profound thought today? That's a picture of, your, uh, of the way you ought to do life. The rear view mirror is this little bitty thing, but the windshield is huge. What's back there is about that significant. What's in front of you is... Some of you are starting to get it. I'm going to preach you out of the past today. I'm going to preach you out of the past. Oh, but you don't know what I did, Pastor Jeff. You didn't do more than uh, Paul if you did, you wouldn't be here. You'd be locked up somewhere. No, you didn't do more than Paul. And he said, forgetting what lies behind. There is a reason to win. What's going to happen to you if you drive your car by the rearview mirror? You're going to get about 10 yards and we're going to hear a crash. Amen? So don't do it. Every child of God is called to focus on what's ahead. Please hear me. Every child of God is called to focus on what's ahead. Looking through the windshield of God's promises and purpose for us. You can't let the past bury you. You can't let the past. Lot's wife learned the hard way. Mrs. Lot, God said, I'm going to deliver you out of Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm going to get you out of here. But just don't look back. There's a, there's, a, there's a cautionary tale there. Because they got just, just a ways out of Sodom that she looked back and was immediately judged. And became a pillar of salt. I don't know why salt, but that's what the Bible says. I'll tell you this, it wasn't a good day for Mrs. Lot. Now, let me ask you, why is that in the Bible? Because there's something there about looking back that paralyzes you living back there. You know, here she was. And then she was showing that her heart had never left Sodom. Now, God's delivered all of us out of a perverse culture, out of the world. And we're not to look back with longing and pining and go back because it, and you're frozen in time. None of that is in my notes. I'm just telling you. (laughs) That's free. I'm telling you. Catch this. Don't look back. Don't look back with pining, with longing, with attachment. No, no. no. Let God set you free into your future. This is why God warned his people languishing in Babylonian captivity. Let me just hit this real quick and I'll move on. But they're, they're, they're languishing in Babylonian captivity. They've been there 70 years. They're about to be delivered. Catch this. They're about to be delivered to go and rebuild their life in Jerusalem. They've been there 70 years for their sin. And now they're about to be delivered to go back and rebuild and start over. But God has to tell them something. Don't remember the former things. I'm about to do something new in your life. I'm about to set you free. I'm about to open a new door. I'm about to give you a new horizon. But I can't do it if you're constantly looking back. Don't remember the former things or ponder the things of the past. I love the way the Message Bible puts it. Forget about what's happened. Can we say that together? Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. Live in the now, not in yesterday. Live in the now. Why? Because God said, I'm about to do something brand new. New doors are opening. Fresh mercy is falling. New things are approaching. So forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old history. Quit chewing your history like an old bone. The past is past because it's past. Thank you. (laughs) Now, look what he says. He says, I will even put a road in the wilderness. I'm about to build a road that you can get out of your wilderness. I'm about to put a way where there wasn't a way. I'm about to give you a way out of your wilderness. You're being stuck in the past. I'm about to, I'm about to open a new way. I'm about to give you a road. I'm sending heaven's bulldozers to make a new road out of there. Hallelujah. Rivers in the desert. Deserts don't have rivers. He said, I'm going to give you something that nobody else is going to have in their desert. I'm going to give you water in your desert but you're going to have to let go. The message Bible continues. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the wilderness, rivers in the desert. The message is clear. If you're stuck in the past, it can blind you to what God wants to do now because he says, don't you see it? The implication is, if you're living back here, you can't see what's right here, right under your nose, what God is wanting to do. You can't see it because the past blinds you, freezes you, petrifies you, paralyzes you. Then Paul gives part two of his resolve. He says, once I've let go, then I'm free to reach. Then I'm free to reach. Once I let go, I'm free to reach. He says reaching forward to those things that are ahead of me. And the word reaching there, it's a very intense word. It means to strain after.
0: What's your life purpose? At the end of the day, where are you putting your energy? Today in his message, Pastor Jeff illustrated the glorious things that come with choosing a God-centered life. When you look back at the pure joy, happiness, and contentment that the disciples of Jesus expressed, it's no wonder there's nothing better than choosing to serve Him. Turn your life around today and blossom into the person that Jesus has always wanted you to be. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired.
1: If you have any questions or comments about what you've heard today, we'd like to know. You can call or text us at the following number and share your thoughts. That number to text is 817-484-4767. Once again, that's 817 484 4767.
0: Thanks for being a part of this ministry and helping it to continue to be an encouraging and uplifting resource for you and others. Now I'll hand it back to Daniel
1: as he gives a preview of what's next.
0: When you're at the gates of heaven and Jesus looks at you, will he say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he not know who you are? If you want to be assured of your place in eternity and live a life full of meaning, Pastor Jeff gave you the answer. God's free gift of grace. Stop chasing your tail and invest in something that matters more than anything else. While the themes of this world fade away, God's love for you only grows stronger. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through his series, The Power of Forward next time on Hardwired.